Thanks, Rick. Uh, it's good to be with you. Uh, we were away for a week, and then our youngest landed COVID, so that's why we weren't here last week. Just so you know, Kim, myself, my son Tim, who's here, we all tested negative, and uh, Tanner is live streaming. <laughs> hey, buddy. Uh, thrilled to see you this morning. Some of you are new. Some of you haven't seen in a while. So good to see you. So glad that you're here. Um, Hope, if you are new this morning, would love to get the opportunity to meet you this morning. Trey, thank you so much. Thank you for being here. Um, For those of you who are guests, um, Trey is a member of another local church in town. And so he's not one of ours, but we want to partner um, in mission. And so grateful. Thank you, Trey. And Casey, again, thank you for your leadership and for the missions team, all of you. Thank you for what you're bringing before us over these weeks. Um, Want to just remind you that in two weeks from today, not next week, next week we're outside at 10 o'clock, two weeks from today, we'll begin two services again, okay? So a couple reasons why, because I think some of you have wondering questions, appropriate questions. Why would we do that? Well, Trinity has grown in 2020, um, which, wow, praise God. Surprised by that. But two weeks ago, we had 180 people in here. And um, we feel that in 2020, 180 people is really at the top um, as far as what we can do as far as creating some space and some distance. Um, We've had people come and then leave uh, as a result. And uh, our heart as an elder team is we want to serve you and we want to serve our guests. And so um, it wouldn't be our preference to have two services, but if it serves, we want to have two services and we're happy to do so. So that comes in two weeks from now. We'll be announcing times starting next week. But unlike before when we were running two services, we want, um, well, all ages are invited to either service. That said, the second service will have the scaled down children's ministry uh, up to kindergarten, what we're running right now. So that'll be in the second service. But we'd like to ask you, If you don't have kids in the children's ministry, would you join us for the first service? First service was a little bit small um, when we were running before, and so we would like to we'd like to create about forty to sixty people in here at the first service at least. And so please consider join us for that service. And lastly, we would also like to ask those coming to the first service to perhaps be a bit more mask conscious. All right, because we're going to have individuals in that service who are both elderly and immune um, deficient. So please consider that, serve one another. And I want to thank you, church. I've heard stories of churches who are radically, um, who, who, uh, well, they're divided, right? They're divided over issues like this. We know, we know that in the room, like, we're not all on the same page with these things. We understand that. We're not ignorant of that. But I want to thank you for not making secondary things primary things. These are secondary things. And at the end of the day, what matters at Trinity is the gospel. It's really not one service or two service 
or what my preference would be. It really is, we want to proclaim the gospel in our community. And so the issue is not one or two services. The, the issue isn't mask or no mask. The issue is, how do we best proclaim the gospel in 2020 in our church, in our area? So with that, let's pray and we'll dive into this sermon. God, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to preach today. Father, I pray for our members, um, quite a few of which are sick, COVID or not COVID or whatever it might be. Just, Lord, I just pray for your healing presence. And we pray, Lord, quite a week coming before us. Lord, with elections, I pray that you would calm fears, that we would be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, make our requests known to you. Because you are God, and you are sovereign God, and you are seated on the throne today, and you will be on November 4th, just the same. So all praise be to your name. Help us now as we unpack your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Title this morning is Praying God Come Down. Let me ask you, and I want some feedback when I ask this, all right? What is your favorite passage of scripture that relates to prayer? All right, prayer passages. Say it. Without ceasing. Excellent. With thanksgiving. Excellent. Really good. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Amen. Philippians. Yes, Matthew 6. <sighs> yes, so good. We've forgotten one big one, right? The Lord's prayer. <laughs> no, all those are good. That's great. Now, next, second question. Tell me your favorite passage of scripture on prayer from the Old Testament. Shout it out. Okay, there you go. Uh-huh. Very good. Someone else? Oh, so good. So good. I want to add one to your Old Testament list. Isaiah 63 and 64. I hope in 35 minutes from now, when you're leaving, you'll, if, if asked that question, what's your favorite Old Testament passage of Scripture, I hope you will add Isaiah 63 and 64 to your list. Prayer for revival, which is what Isaiah is doing here. He's praying that God would rend the heavens. That's a prayer for revival. Prayer for revival has its roots in who God is and what God has done, who God is and what he's done. The cry for God to rend the heavens and come down is a cry for radical mercy. That's the big idea this morning that we're seeking to unpack. We begin, number one, it's a prayer for revival. We ne you need to hear the tone, right? We've been saying that towards the tail end of our series in Isaiah, which by the way, we've got today and two more, and we will have completed the book of Isaiah. Took us about a year and two months. And we need to hear. Isaiah has a tone. 
What's the tone of Isaiah 64 as he calls out to God to rend the heavens and come down? Remember, don't bring your funeral voice to a wedding. There's a tone here, and the tone is there's this passionate urgency to his crying out to the Lord as he prays. Look back with me to chapter 63, verse, verse 18 and 19. Your, your holy people held possession for a little while. Our adversaries have trampled down your sanctuary. We become like those over whom you have never ruled, like those who are not called by your name. Look at 64, verse 10. Your holy cities have become a wilderness. Zion has become a wilderness. Jerusalem, a desolation. The, the, the people of God, the, the very presence where, where God met with his people in the sanctuary, it's been destroyed. It's a pile of rocks. The walls to the city, it's rubble. The walls creating protection, right? The protection is gone. The sanctuary creating presence, that's rocks. The presence of the Lord is gone. And Isaiah gets it. He gets the mess that they were in as they are in exile. But he also gets who God is in the mess that they were in. And he also gets that they were in that mess because they've rejected God. They've turned from God to pursue the surrounding nation's gods, false gods. And for that reason, this is an urgent prayer. Really, it's a prayer for mercy, right? Like, God, we don't, we don't deserve you to come down, to rend the heavens, to, to bring us your presence. But here's our cry. God, would you come? Would you have mercy on us? It's no casual, flippant, tossing out a little token prayer. That's not the tone of this. This is nothing less than Isaiah crying out to God for revival in his day. God, come down. God, you rend the heavens. It's a prayer for the presence of the Lord. Did you hear that as Rick was reading the end of verse number one in chapter 64? That the mountains might quake at your presence. Look at the end of verse two. And that the nations might tremble at your presence. Look at the end of verse 3. You came down. The mountains quaked at your, at your presence. He's recalling past activity of God at that point. How about us today? Trinity, today's a great day to cry out to God. I want us as a church to join with the prophet calling out to our great God, praying for the very presence of the Lord in our day, in the mess that we're in. Now, we've talked about this. Our mess today in 2020, we, we really blow it up big, don't we? It, it, it pales in comparison to what they're going through. Right? Like we talked about, like in the exile, they were ripped out of their homes. In 2020, we were locked in ours. The comparisons, they pale. But nonetheless, mess exists in our day as well. And we too need to be crying out to God in the midst of the mess. We are in a mess in our day. I want to say to you, the church is a mess today. 
gives me no joy to say that. Listen, the world is what the world is. Like darkness does what darkness is. That's one thing. But when the church abandons the gospel, the very thing that is the power of God unto salvation, abandons the gospel in our day, we're a mess. When the world does what the world does, that's one thing. But when the church is asleep at the wheel and is so enraptured by its social media, so captured over petty arguments, so consumed in binge watching, and the world's, all the world's comforts that are offered to us all the while, it is either unable or unwilling to wake itself to pray, church, It's time to pray. See, the world is not the problem in 2020. The problem is the church in 2020. The problem is not that the world isn't repenting of its sin. Why would they? The problem is when the church is unwilling to repent of its sin. The problem is not that the world has stopped praying. The problem is that the church has stopped praying. The problem is not that the world is ignoring Christ. The problem is that the church is ignoring Christ. Now, I want to say all of that and say, thank you, church, for loving the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you, church, for wanting for not wanting to turn Trinity into a house of entertainment. Thank you, Trinity, for not wanting a funny preacher, an entertaining preacher. Thank you for loving this book. Thank you for demanding that it be preached without apology. Thank you, church. Thank you, and let me say, Trinity, As we love this book, and in all my thank yous, hear me also say, Trinity, we need to wake up. Let's join with the prophet and get a sense of the urgency of our day and let us pray. Pray for the very presence of our great God in this place, in our lives, in our community. Rend the heavens, Lord, and come down. Or, or it, the, the, the picture there is break through the heavens. Break through our sinfulness. Break through our calloused hearts. Break through the empty religion. Break through my indifference. God, come down. Nothing less than your presence is what we long for. In our day, in our hour of need, in the craziness of this year, in our pathetic casualness towards you, Lord, it's a cry for mercy. God, in spite of us, come down. The year was 1735, and God came down 
and he visited the New England area. Jonathan Edwards writes, the town seemed to be full of the presence of God. Now, Kim and I were just in the area, and it doesn't seem to be full of the presence of God today. It never was so full of love, nor of joy, and yet so full of distress as it was then. There were remarkable tokens of God's presence in almost every house. It was a time of joy in families on account of salvation being brought unto them. Parents rejoicing over their children as a newborn, and husbands over their wives, and wives over their husbands. Our public assemblies were then beautiful. The assembly in general was from time to time in tears while the word was preached, some weeping with sorrow and distress, others with joy and love, others with pity and concern for souls of their neighbors. So we, we, we read from so many passages of Jonathan Edwards. Our, our prayer is not that the world would come and join a house of religion, serving a, a, a people, a group of people who are serving a token God with a token worship and reluctant servants and arrogant self-righteousness of those gathered. Our prayer is that God might come down and that the nations might see him that they might engage with a broken people, an unclean people, a repentant people, a humble people, a house of worship, uh, 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 of worshiping people who are hospitable, who are loving the unclean, loving the leper, welcoming the unclean, gracious church. This is not, let's get the lighting right, though we want to do so. This is not, let's get the worship team cranked up and just pr provide just that right feel. It's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about something that man can create. We're talking about the very presence of God. That's what we need in our day. Hear me, we don't need the presence of Jonathan Edwards though that would be exciting, and I would love to be there, that's not what we need. One of my favorite preachers, Alistair Begg, John Piper, R.C. Sprawl. We don't, we don't need the presence of a great pe preacher. We need the presence of our great God. We need God, rend the heavens, come down. You see, you can't organize a re revival. It's possible to do a lot of stuff, though. And it can feel like, because we're so busy, like busy, we equate that with, look, look at all that we're doing. And yet we can do all that and not have the presence of God. It's not what we're talking about. We're talking about we need the presence of God in the stuff that we're doing. So I ask us, are we desperate yet? If so, cry out with me, God, break through the mess, rend the heavens, and come down. Number two, prayer that is informed who God is. What I mean by prayer that is informed is that we pray based on information. And the most, information, the most important information that we can have as we go to pray is who God is, meaning his attributes, his character, who is God. You see, faith is isn't blind. I personally don't believe in blind faith. I believe in informed faith. I believe in reasonable faith. I believe in looking at 
who God is. And that's stirring our hearts. And now we have faith. Our God, our God is able. Our God is all wise. Our God, our God can do all things. We, we just go for a long time on the attributes of God. In a moment, we'll show you. Isaiah's rehearsing some of those attributes. Faith is not blind. Faith is informed. And nothing is more important for the Christian than his or her growing understanding of the character of God, who God is, the attributes of God. They inspire prayer. This past summer in our community groups, we're walking through R.C. Sproul's series on the attributes of God, right? And as I was personally going through those each week, I'd ask myself the question, what do I do with this? And so often the only answer I had was, well, you pray, <laughs> dummy. <laughs> Come on, Tim, wake up. You pray in light of who God is, in light of what I just heard over the past 30 minutes, you pray because your faith is stirred by those truths. Pray because God is God. See, there's two common reasons why we don't pray consistently. One is that I don't know God. I don't know who God is. And the other is that I don't truly believe what I already know to be true about God. I know it up here, right? We can know it up here, but that's not what we're talking about. These things we know up here, these truths need to function in our lives and we need to believe them, which drives us to our knees, crying out to God. Look back, chapter 63, verse 16. Well, back at, at verse 15, he's saying, he's saying, in a similar way as 64.1, rend the heavens and come down. He says, look down from heaven and see. And then look at verse 16. For, look down and see. For, or because, look down, Lord, and see us because you are our Father. Time out, right? Like we, we, we take that for granted. We, we know it so well, and yet we know it so little, right? This is, the, this is speaking of that, just that the nearness of God. We would say the, the imminence of God, the, the closeness of God. Here's, here's God it, relationally relating to us as sinners. We are sons and daughters of the living God. Praise be to God. If you're a believer in here this morning, he is your father. That's who we pray to, our father. I love how he says, though Abraham does not know us, right? Like to, to me, that's beautiful. Father Abraham, father Abraham, he doesn't know us. We're not making our appeal to father Abraham, Father Edwards, right? No, we are going to the Father. He goes on from there. More because, right? So, oh Lord, those are all caps. We've rehearsed this before, but we need to know this. This is, this is the formal use of the word Lord in your Bible. All caps. It's Yahweh. It's it's. Father, you are imminent, you are near, you are relational. It's Lord, you are to be feared. You, we stand in awe of you. 
You are Lord. You are transcendent. You are beyond us. It is, it is the covenant name of God. This is God saying to Moses at the burning bush when Moses is asking, who should I say is sending me? Say, I am has sent you. I am that I am, meaning God is absolute in who he is. I am. God is truth. He is complete. He is. He lacks nothing. He's eternally existent. He has no beginning. He has no end. He is infinite. He is sovereign. So this is all caps expressing the fullness of the Lord. God, come down because your father, because your Lord He's rehearsing the attributes of God. Then he says, our redeemer from of old is your name. You are redeemer. That's your name. Meaning redemption is not just something that the Lord does, right? It's who you are. You are redeemer. For them, this both, for them, they, that, that caused them to look back, right? It, let's look back to Egypt when the Lord redeemed them from their slavery, but also was a call to them to look forward to the Messiah will come, the Redeemer will come, and he will redeem them from the slavery of sin and death. They were to put their faith forward. And for us today, it's a call for us to look back to the cross. Christ indeed came and he redeemed us from the pit. He redeemed us from our slavery to sin and death. And it's a call for us to look forward. Our Savior will come again. Take your communion elements out, please. I forgot mine in the chair. If you do not have them, they are in the back behind here and over here on this table. Please feel free. If you are here with your children, please hear me. This is not snack time. This is Holy Communion. And so I just encourage parents to parent, right? If you're an unbeliever here this morning, it'd be inappropriate for you as well. Please don't, don't make a mockery of what is a holy celebration, all right, but we're going to do this right in the middle of the sermon. I don't know if I've ever done it right in the middle of the sermon before, but it seems appropriate because we're talking about redemption right now. And when you talk about redemption, it's appropriate for us to remember some things. This, if you would hold it in your hand, this represents the body of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He redeemed us from the pit. This, what we celebrate, right, that Paul tells us to remember Oh, help us to remember. Help us. We don't want this to be a token religious thing this morning. We want this to be a celebration. You, your life has been redeemed from the pit of hell itself. Praise be to our God. Let's pause and pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you. Your body was broken on our behalf. We pause and we thank you. We celebrate as a body of believers this morning your broken body on our behalf. Amen. Let's take together. And as we hold the cup, this cup represents the blood of Christ. When we talk about your name is Redeemer, when we talk about we've been redeemed from sin and death, what, what, 
was the purchase price, right? That's what we're talking about. How do, you, how do you redeem, right? The purchase price for your salvation was none other than the blood of Christ. I love how it's put in Isaiah. Our Redeemer from of old is your name. Jesus, thank you for your blood spilled on our behalf. Be glorified as we take together, we pray. Amen. Let's receive together. Praise be to our God. Who God is, he's Father, he's Lord, he's Redeemer. It should drive us to pray. Just those three attributes should drive us to pray. Number three, pray, prayer that recalls what God has done. You see, we pray for revival, not only by being informed about who God is, but also recalling what God has done. Look back, chapter 63, all the way back to verse 7. Here's, here's what's going on in Isaiah as he's ramping up to crying out, rend the heavens. Verse 7, I will recount the steadfast love of the Lord, the praises of the Lord. I, this is, I'm recounting, I'm recalling your steadfast love. Your praise is according to all that the Lord has granted us and the great goodness to the house of Israel that he has granted them according to his compassion, according to the abundance of his steadfast love. For he said, surely they are my people, children who will not deal falsely. And he became their savior in all their affliction. He was afflicted and the angel of his presence saved them in his love and in his pity. He redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them all the days of old. Praise be to our God. Chapter 64, verse three, when you did awesome things that we did not look for, you came down, the mountains quaked at your presence. It's a, it's a recalling of Sinai and just the presence of God amongst his people. And in light of that, what Isaiah is saying, what he's doing, he's, he's saying, in light of who you are, in light of what you've done, your past activity, God, would you rend the heavens and come down in our day? And that's really what the Psalms are doing, aren't they? There's a recounting of the awesome, unexpected things that God has done in our past, and then they put those to songs. Let's sing about it. We sang about it this morning. That's why we sing. We sing, we sing primarily not about us. We sing primarily to rehearse the activity of God and who God is and what he has done, his character. We too easily forget or take for granted the awesome things that God has done in our lives. God help us. Number four, prayer that realizes. This is, this is where we began. This is a prayer for mercy. But think about this. You can only pray for mercy if you realize that you and I are sinners. Like you can't pray for mercy unless you realize you need mercy. We are sinners in need of the mercy of our God. Only sinners need mercy. The proud don't need mercy. The self-righteous don't need mercy. The self-atoning don't need mercy. Sinners need mercy. So to cry out, 
God rend the heavens and come down is just a recognition. Oh, we are sinners in need of your presence, in need of your mercy. Daily, we need moment by moment mercy. Look at the middle of verse five. Behold, you were angry and we sinned. In our sins, we've been a long time and shall we be saved? Now he's gonna list in the next verse four likes. All right, sounds very 2020-ish. All right, four likes. We've all become like one who is unclean. All right, an unclean, a leper. Unclean. We have become like one who is unclean. Keep your distance, right? We're unclean. We're contagious. You don't want to catch what I have. We've all become like one who is unclean. In all our righteous deeds, he's just going to just pull the dirt on top of us. All our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. All right, so we're unclean lepers. You think that's bad? Let's just make it worse. Even our righteousness is a polluted garment. So not only do our sins stink, but our attempt at righteousness smells pretty bad too. Feel encouraged? What's the third like? We all fade like a leaf. Well, that's true. Withering up, that's what we're doing. That's what we're doing this morning. Be encouraged, we are just withering up like a leaf. Remember when we preached through Ecclesiastes? That's the theme of Ecclesiastes. The fourth like, and our iniquities like the wind take us away. Meaning, we are tossed by the wind. Sin moves us. Iniquities move us in directions we never plan to go. We're just carried away by the wind. Oh, we need mercy. We need mercy. God, come down. Deliver us from ourselves. Rend the heavens. Number five, prayer that would come unrestrained. You see, now the Jews return from exile, and as we were said, the, the walls of Jerusalem, they're, they're a pile of rocks. Same goes for the temple, which is to say that the presence of the Lord has left them, and they could sit, and they could remember back to the days of old, the, the stories that were told of them, of, of, of great-grandpa, right? Like, wow, the presence of the Lord. Remember when God's presence lived with us here in Jerusalem in the temple? And we rejected God and we turn to false gods. Verse eight. But now, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay and you are our potter. We are all the work of your hand. Be not so terribly angry, O Lord. And remember not iniquity forever. Behold, please look, we are all your people your holy cities, they become a wilderness. Zion, a wilderness. Jerusalem, desolation. Our holy and beautiful house, meaning the temple where our fathers praised you, has been burned by fire. All our pleasant places have become ruins. Pile of rocks. But now, we're recognizing you're the potter, we're the clay. We turn to you, our Father. We cry to you out of the mess, out of the ruins, out of the, the mess, what is 2020. As a people, we cry to the Lord, come down. Come down to us. Come down 
in me, mold me, fashion me into what you want me to be, right? Like we live so easily with, the, with our hands just gripped around even the good things, the good gifts that God gives us. We're not to live like this. Like how dare God take anything away from us? Now, when we start to recognize he's the potter, we're the clay, the hands come open, right? God, it all belongs to you. You put what you so see fit to put in my hands and you take it as you so see fit to take it. But it's all yours because I'm not the potter. But we act like that, right? Like we think like that. It's mine. <laughs> God, come down in me and mold me and mold us as a church to who you would have us to be. Make me the dad, make me the husband, you the mom, you the wife, the college students that are in the room, the teens that are in the room, that you're crying out to your God. God, make me the teen you would have me to be. Make me the employee that you would have, and make me the employer that you would have me to be. I'm not here to be the potter. God, you've got this. I'm the clay. I'm not asking you, Lord, to come and join in my, you know, join in my, let's make it a joint venture. Join with me in my mission. No, I'm the clay. God, thank you. I get to be a part of your mission. I want to be a part of what you're doing. It's your kingdom come. Your will be done. And the drift, the church is adrift in 2020, so caught up in 2020, petty problems and petty arguments. And the church searches for another gospel, a plan B salvation in our day. If we could just, if we could just get the right person in the White House, all will be well. How's that working out for us? <laughs> we don't need a better president. We need to see we have a plan a savior who is Jesus Christ. Our big, our big answer today is not, oh God, give us a vaccine. Though we might pray that, that's not our hope. It's not in the 401k and what that might look like one day from the next. Praise be to God, we have a plan A savior who is Jesus Christ and I'm the clay, you're the clay, he's the potter. And so, so often we're looking for false saviors, a different word. We want a different word than this word. We want an impotent savior, a less authoritative word, a savior in a Bible that won't call us to sacrifice, a savior in a Bible that won't call us perhaps under the bridge ministering to people with dignity. Appreciate the way you were putting that. One that prides itself as, oh, as a church, we're growing, but that's because the other church, well, they closed. So we don't need God to rend the heavens and come down to create that. God, rend the heavens and save the lost. Fill our houses of worship with lost people celebrating new faith salvation in Jesus Christ. Revival is not trading of members. It doesn't require God to rend the heavens. Let's pray for more God-centered, 
gospel-driven, lost sinners coming to saving faith in Christ, filling our houses of worship. Where's the urgency in the people of God today? Why are we so comfortable with our mediocrity? Why are we so proud of our knowledge of doctrine? Why is prayer important in words only? But in reality, indifference remains. I'm preaching with you and to myself and to you. It's because we like our mediocrity. And hear me, mediocrity looks pretty good next to indifference. God, come down. Verse 12, will you restrain yourself at these things, O Lord? Will you keep silent and afflict us so terribly? Will you restrain yourself? It's the same word back at 63 verse 15 when he talks about that your compassion are held back from me. The prayer of Isaiah is, God, come visit us. Don't hold back. Don't restrain yourself. Will you visit us in our anguish? Will you visit us in our mediocrity, in our indifference, in our casualness? Come and rend the heavens, Lord, and come down. Number six, prayer that's answered. It's very brief. Sid, if you would, join me. Look at Look at 64, verse 3. When you did awesome things, so he's recalling here, and you did awesome things that we didn't look for. <laughs> wow. You came down, the mountains quaked at your presence. Again, it's a reference back to Sinai. This is how Jesus came, isn't it? Like that's, that's what where my head went when I read this. When you did awesome things that we didn't look for, that sounds like, wow, those are the days of Christ when he came. Nobody was looking for that. It was quite unexpected. They weren't looking for it, weren't asking for it. The Savior of the world came as a baby born in a manger. We'll begin to celebrate that at the end of this month. Alex will preach our first sermon, our first Advent sermon, the last Sunday of November, looking forward to that season where we will celebrate the awesome thing that he has done that we did not look for. The Savior of the world came as a baby born in a manger. What an unexpected presence. Lived a sinless life, died on the cross for our sins, rose from the grave. What an unexpected Redeemer. Ascended to the Father. He is now interceding for us. Sent his spirit to now live in us. Your very salvation. What an unexpected salvation. What an unexpected surprise of the Lord's presence in your life. Celebrate that this morning. What an unexpected surprise. You're a believer in Jesus Christ this morning. Awesome things he has done. May God come down in 2020, in 2021. May he come down to Trinity, Brevard County, to our churches here in Brevard to Florida, to America, to this world. God, rend the heavens and come down. Stand with me. Rather than responding and singing, 
I just am going to pray over us. Just join with me. Let's pray together. God, we ask you, we, we ask you, would you in our day, would you rend the heavens and come down? Now we know, Lord, that we are not deserving. It's not as if we're crying out to you saying, look at us, look at what we deserve. We deserve your presence. No, it's this a complete opposite. Lord, we humble ourselves. We humble ourselves, Lord. And we cry out to you. Well, first of all, we cry out, Father. Lord, thank you for the relationship. Thank you that we can be crying out this morning. You're our Father. Thank you. We are sons and daughters of the living God. Lord, we have every reason. You've given us every reason to call out to you, to make our petitions known to you. Father, Lord, you are Lord. We revere you. Lord, all caps, <laughs> Yahweh, covenant God. We make our appeals, our requests to you, Lord, Redeemer, you who have redeemed us from the pit. You have redeemed us. We have celebrated it through Holy Communion. You have redeemed us from our sin and the slavery, our slavery to sin and death. You purchased our freedom. We are now in Christ. Oh, Father, Lord, Redeemer, we cry out to you. We cry out to you as a church, Lord. We cry out to you as a people of God among many, many people of God in our community. And we ask you, Lord, would you have mercy on us? Would you rend the heavens and come down? Lord, would you come down to our churches? Would you come down to us in our individual lives? May our homes, our families, Lord, families who have children or children whose, whose parents are not serving you. Lord, would you, would you rend the heavens and come down? Lord, loved ones that we, we grieve over. We long to see come to saving faith in you, Lord. Would you rend the heavens and come down? Lord, would you, would you bring revival in our day in the truest sense of the word? Lord, not these things that we can create, human hands can create and do nice and neat, nifty things, but no, Lord, a sovereign move of your hand. Would you rend the heavens and come down, we pray. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters this morning. We love you, Lord. We recognize we are desperately in need of mercy. How quick our minds can drift from you. How quick we can make excuses for our lack while we do make sure we are faithful to our social media, to our binge watching. Oh God, would you help us? Lord, as a pastor, as a leader, Lord, I pray in my own life, Lord, you, Lord, know I preach to myself just as much as I preach to the church. Lord God, easily casual, easily calloused, 
Lord, would you rend the heavens? Would you come down? Lord, that we might see in our day a mighty move of God, things of which so often we can only read about. 1735, Lord, for the sake of your name, Redeemer, would you do it again in our day, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, thank you. I took liberties in preaching longer this morning. I want to close with this benediction. Paul to the Ephesians. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. God, let that be. So that Christ